Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. Uh, I got harassed tonight uh, while I was recording the Locked on Bucks podcast for not being on the pod. They were very, dis- more, not even harassed, they just were more so making fun of the two of you without me. And I was like, well, you can't leave the two guys without the host. So I'm back. They, we're, we're doing the thing. We got a big matchup this week. We got a big matchup this week uh, between the old Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. And there might have to be some wagering involved, even though I'm not feeling too confident about it. But, you know, my pride tells me that I have to probably at least wager something. So before we get into that, we will preview Thursday night football from a gambling and fantasy perspective at the end of the podcast. But before we get into that, we got two Monday night football games to recap. We got to talk about Bill O'Brien getting fired a very early firing in the NFL after the Houston Texans go 0-4. We got risers and fallers as we head into week five. And then we got a stud and dud. We're a quarter of the way through the NFL season. We want to give props to the guys that we pounded the table for that are doing their thing, but we also got to take our lumps. And man, there's a couple of guys we got to admit just haven't showed up uh, looking at UTY Hilton. So Let's start things off with a Monday Night Football recap quickly, guys. Uh, Two matchups, lots of fantasy implications. Uh, The first game was a little bit, for the most part, uh, lackluster as far as offense goes. Uh, Some touchdowns by the Kansas City Chiefs defense. But, Jamie, you're in, KC. I'll go to you first. What were your thoughts on the first game and what were your fantasy takeaways other than Mahomes had a good fantasy day? but not exactly a great football day. Yeah, my, big, my biggest takeaway from being here is that they will put Patrick Mahomes' face on literally anything and sell it at the store. <laughs> I, I will tell you that. I, I am, so I am located right now in Atchison, Kansas. I'm about an hour-ish outside of, of Kansas City, and it is everywhere. Uh, it, is, it is Chiefs, truly Chiefs kingdom here. Uh, he had an okay day for fantasy. He didn't have a Patrick Mahomes day, 236 yards, two touchdowns. Should have had a couple picks in this game. Uh, wasn't particularly sharp, missed on some throws early, but you know, this is, it was okay day, but probably not the big day you were expecting. Cause you're expecting a top three performance every single week out from him. Uh, Edwards Alaire was okay as well. You know, it, I'm a little annoyed because he had three catches for 27 yards in the first half and they didn't throw it to him again four yards under that little that prop bet that we sent out so uh, it was looking great early on and he doesn't get it uh you know kelsey got you know got to 10 points in ppr leagues but you could the announcers did a good job of explaining how they were taking kelsey out of this game a lot especially in the first half hill finally got his but it was just kind of a a lackluster game the chiefs find a way to pull it out you know on new england side quarterback situation's a mess as we already know uh, i'd imagine stidham's going to start next week but uh, neither quarterback looked good in this game. Uh, Damien Harris had a really good performance, probably the only Patriot of, of major note. 
especially with Sony Michelle going on IR before the game. You know, he's somebody that will probably crack my top 40 running backs next week. Uh, I, I had to rank 50 running backs, which by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to see at the draftnetwork.com. It was really difficult to rank 50 running backs right now, considering how many guys are hurt. Uh, and now you've got two teams on by. And right now I'm omitting any Titans players um, and Titans and Bills players right now from that until we know more about that game. So there's a possibility of four teams out plus all of these injuries uh, with the with the Lions and, and Packers going on bye weeks. So he's a little bit interesting, but really nothing else to take away. I mean, White, um, you know, playing tonight, got seven catches. Edelman had a rough night. Uh, you know, Jake and I talked about this. You probably weren't going to start any Patriots. And if you avoided starting all your Patriots, you were probably okay because nobody on earth was starting Damian Harris in this matchup. Dude, how are you supposed to know what the hell is going on? Damian Harris was on IR this morning when they left on the plane. And he ends up having a 100-yard night tonight. I don't know what the hell is going on. They don't look very good. But this was my stay-away game of the week. The Chiefs ended up winning. They ended up covering. We said they were going to do that. But this is Belichick, man. He's going to take away what you do best. Kelsey was not really involved in this game, but he's that good that he has a great catch, big run. Tyreek Hill, same exact route. One time against man, he makes the catch. One time against zone, makes the catch. They talked about that in the broadcast. Thought Clyde edwards Hilaire again, what Jamie just said, would have a bigger night. Didn't. Uh, the Patriots are in trouble. The Chiefs can be, we saw last week, the best team in football. The week before that, they really struggled. And again, tonight you see Patrick Mahomes just keep backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling until he wants to throw something. But they rushed three and dropped eight. And I think they showed a lot of stuff on film tonight that a lot of defenses can take advantage of playing this Chiefs offense. It'll be interesting to see what that happens going forward. Uh, not a whole lot of takeaways here other than one thing I'm going to say. This little dump bullshit I, it touches my hands and I flip it to a receiver. And you get a touchdown pass. It's absolute freaking garbage. There's no way in hell that should be a passing statistic. In fantasy, real football, or any damn else, it's a handoff. There's no way in hell that's a freaking pass. That is bullshit. He should add zero passes touchdown. I'm with you. I I totally agree. Um, I don't think that it should count, but it is uh it is the way that it is as of right now. So the passing touchdown counts. And I was telling Jake before pre-show that in the first half there was a lot of discussion on social media. I think Trey Wingo was the one that tweeted it out that this was very Belichick, right? Like you take away what you do best and you force them to kick field goals. And that's what they did. The problem is they're used to having Tom Brady on the other side of the football, who's not going to make mistakes and not give the ball away and not do those things. And this was, this was really, I, obviously we've known that Tom is not there and it's been obvious, but this was like the glaringly obvious time of like, you are not the same Patriots anymore. Like this is, you can be Belichick, but Belichick works because you have Brady. Like that's, this is that moment where I'm watching it and I'm watching all the analysts and they're all going, yeah, this is, this is quintessential Belichick. And I'm going, yeah. And that works if you have a quarterback who does what Brady does, but you that doesn't work when you got Brian Hoyer turning the ball over and making mistakes and doing this and doing that, like all that, He's a schematic genius and all this stuff. I'm, yes, he is, but that defense only works when on the other side of the football, you have somebody taking care of the football. And that was, that was, yeah, not Sammy happening. Watkins fumbling and giving it back to you. The Chiefs were not yep. sharp at all. And they still no. end up covering 10 and a half and blowing it. I mean, the Patriots are not the same. I don't give a damn how no. good Belichick is. And they're better with Cam. And Cam can erase some of the stuff. Yes, but they're not that good. No, they are not that good. And that tonight was, tonight was glaringly obvious. I, I know that. Cam didn't play, but this was the the 
the Chiefs were not a good football team tonight, and they didn't have to be. And, mm. and that was that was that says everything that you need to know. And it was still, as we said, a two two score game for the Chiefs in that one. The other football game, guys, it, it's hard to look at the Aaron Rodgers led Packers and say that this guy it's him and Wilson to me I, I honestly probably give the nod to Rodgers right now because he's playing without anybody no Alan Lazard no Devonte Adams in this game they did obviously we've talked about it nauseum that they did not draft any other wide receivers but he doesn't have a full arsenal of weapons he doesn't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett like Russell Wilson does on offense and I know it's the Atlanta Falcons defense, but he's put up 40 points on every defense they've played so far with or without his top weapons. To me, this was the prime time Rogers. I'm the MVP show. And, and that's what I took away from this. Jake, what did you take away from this game? They just toyed with them. They, they could easily put up 40, 45, even 50 if they wanted to keep their foot on the gas before said they want to do that coming at halftime. And then they ran it three times and punted. Uh, Aaron Jones could have had a monster freaking game, but you could tell that they were saving him on purpose. They're going into a bye. They're going to be healthy as hell when they go to Tampa in week six, coming out of this freaking bye with all these guys coming back. Uh, their defense is whatever, but look, this Atlanta team, they're God awful. And they lost like four more guys in this defense tonight. This offense isn't that good without Julio Jones who's getting old and his hamstring he's trying to play through. And he had a decent first quarter because of it. They're just not very good. This offensive line is way overrated. Todd Gurley's way overrated, not even part of the game. He gets two touchdowns. So he helps out the morons that drafted him in fantasy and think that they did something right. He has like eight plays in the game and has two touchdowns. Uh, it's ridiculous, but that Calvin Ridley is a two. He's not a one. He's a one a in that system when they're slinging it all over the place, but he cannot be, a 1A unless Julio's on the field. I'm convinced of that. He was non-existent in this game tonight. You're not talking about a blazing, awesome secondary in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers MVP right now. Yep. Uh, he just went out there and put up that game. He had more touchdowns and incompletions, I think, again tonight, unless there was something happened late. And, I, I, I mean, with who? With, one, with a freaking tight end nobody's ever heard of. It's really an H-back. Valdez Scantling had, like, five for 50. Aaron the Jones, point. they were saving that he would play, and he throws yeah. for 304 touchdowns. And just he could have put up 50 on them at any time. They were laughing on the sidelines as Atlanta's yeah. fighting their ass off to try to come back in this thing. You could the Green Bay was just toying with them, they were just playing with them. Like they were like, let's get into this bye week, let's get out of this game. Let's, it was ridiculous. I love this note that Henry just put in here because it's, and I'm not Henry, don't take it. That's our intern behind the scenes. I love that the that everybody on the broadcast was trying to make this a thing. Like, because Tanyan works out with George Kittle, like, by proxy, he's George Kittle. Like, shut the hell up, broadcast. Like, that's just how because good George works, Kittle is. That's how he – like, literally, it's not like he feeds in on Tanyan. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, just because he works out with George Kittle, like, okay, I'm going to go work out with George Kittle this offseason and make sure that I become George Kittle. Like, come on. Like, it was, it was just – I love that Henry put that in there because it made me laugh that during the broadcast they're – going, oh, look at this tweet from George Kittle and, oh, Robert, I'm like, please stop. Aaron Rodgers does not have George Kittle out there. Like, it's full stop on that comparison. But Aaron Jamie, Rodgers finds the open guy, and they don't think yes. they've covered him in three weeks. Aaron Rodgers makes he, Robert Tanyan look like George Kittle. You cannot That's be more difference. wide open than Tanyan's yes. been in every game so far. That's exactly look, right. I, I 
couldn't do their job. So I will preface this by saying that. But the Monday Night Football crew on ESPN is by far the worst national sports anchors crew, I should say, sports crew in sports right now. Uh, it is they are unlistenable uh, for me. I and agree. I, uh, that was the worst case scenario good. for ESPN, Jamie. That's a yeah. great point to go to go Nance Romo. And oh, then everybody nightmare. switches oh, the, yeah, over the, and you're like, nightmare. oh, this it's, is not the same to my it's ears. Br- it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Steve Levy, for whatever reason, and I'm not, I won't get it, but Steve Levy, for whatever reason, can never figure out who is actually catching the ball or running I, the ball. He gets more players wrong than any national announcer I've seen. And that's something that they By really the way, he has a do. spotter. I don't even know how that's possible. I, I just, I don't know. That, that, that Monday Night Crew is, uh, they need to have some alternate broadcasts uh, for these games going forward uh, if they really want to have a big thing. But I know it's not a broadcast show, but uh, just want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We'll get to the Aaron Jones stuff a little bit later in the show, so I will save that part. But more than half of Aaron Rodgers' completions went to Robert Tanyan and Jamal Williams. Uh, just uh, unbelievable. And he, was, and he was 100%, right? Yeah. 100%, 100% on those uh, completions? Let's see, on tight ends and running backs? He, yes, he was. So yeah. it is uh, unbelievable performance by him. Uh, I this MVP race is really fun right now with Wilson and yes, Rogers and Josh Allen and uh, you know I, I think Mahomes probably took a, a side step back today uh, in that race just because those three guys are just slinging it right. Would now. say Tom Brady's in the rearview mirror somewhere, somewhere. But he's in, yeah, he's, he's, in, he's on the street. He's on the street. He he threw for five touchdowns this past week. Did Absolutely he not? Absolutely did. Am I three sixty three sixty nine and five touchdowns? He's that's, he's, that's he's back here waving. He's just like hey, he's waving. He's still behind those guys because I'm but... old, but I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay, he, Watch out. He's waving. Nobody, nobody's giving the MVP in four weeks. I'm I'm here. And on the Falcon side, a complete no show from Calvin Ridley. Got one target, and it was a it was a drop in the end zone there late in the game. Julio leaves this game basically at halftime. Uh, was basically limping off the field at halftime. Doesn't come back. Wasn't on the field for the two minute drill to end the second or end the first half. That hamstring, he's going to have to sit for a couple of weeks. I mean, we're dealing with the same injury we, that he came into the season with at this point, and now it's October. So he's going to have to sit back and rest because what are you playing for at this point if you're Atlanta? You're, you might have a new coach by the time we wake up tomorrow. Like, I mean, at this point, it is, it's over. And it's the been The only over. thing that stops that from happening, Jamie, I thought the same thing, was they have five winnable games in a row. They showed that on the broadcast. They don't play anybody with a winning record, but they play Carolina twice uh, in the next it's five not, weeks. So it's not as easy as we thought they, it was. No, yeah. hell no, no, no. But they could get a couple wins. I just go back to how classy Mr. Blank is. I don't know that it happens, but I mean, they, they blow one of those because they're awful on defense and they got nothing left. I think no. I think the, the difference here is that now they've been given the window because the news we're going to talk about now is yeah. Bill O'Brien was just fired. The first NFL coach is already done. And so now it's like the, 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 the precedence has already been set. Like you got that one out of the way, your own four Atlanta's own four. Like it, it kind of feels like, I don't think it's going to happen this week because they do have so many injuries and they have had a tough schedule, but if they drop the next two and they're own six, I think Dan Quinn's looking for a new job. I, I don't think I don't think he makes it much past that. But let's quickly talk about this Bill O'Brien news because this is massive news. Um, Bill O'Brien was a guy that took a licking this offseason from every single person on social media for his DeAndre Hopkins trade was deserved, has proven to be deserved um, by this team and by what this team has looked like. And that's really 
that's one of the many things that he has mismanaged as a I'm a GM and a head coach, right? And I think this this goes to, and I want you to speak on this first, Jake, but there's a reason that we have the head coaches as the head coaches and the GMs as the GMs. And for everybody that doesn't have insight into how the NFL front offices work, it's bare, it's, it is nearly impossible to do both. And I know everyone points to Belichick, but Belichick has done a lot of things as a personnel guy that he should take crap for. And he doesn't because he's got six Super Bowl rings. And I get that. But he and I could argue that had there been somebody else there, maybe they would have managed things better. I don't know that for certain, but that could be true. And and Bill O'Brien is most certainly not Bill Belichick. And I think that's where this this really caught up to them because there was a lot of mismanagement of player situations. You didn't have good relationships with the players. It's, it's very tough, Jake. And, and now Bill O'Brien is on his way out as the Houston Texans start off 0-4. And, and you just paid your quarterback a lot of money. And now what do you have? I mean, this is not a good place to be for this Texans team. Why don't we do this? We'll break it down into head coach and GM. I'll take the head coach and we'll let Jamie speak on the GM of where he left this organization. Bill O'Brien overachieved like a son of a bitch first couple of years. He wins yep. four division titles. He wins 10 games multiple times before Deshaun Watson. Now Deshaun Watson got there. I think he lost the locker room along the way. B is a brash guy. I think he lost the building. I think he lost a lot of that kind of stuff behind the scenes that we don't get to see. Um, being a brash guy, they probably just said, screw it, fire me. At the end of the day, it's probably why this happened so fast because they didn't want to change what was going on. Uh, he did a hell of a job for a while there as a coach, and he did win four division titles and have those 10-win seasons. To put it in context, though, he's 52 and 48 as a head coach in seven years. Bruce Arians wins 50 games in five years for the Arizona Cardinals. There was definitely some underachieving going on at the end of this with Deshaun Watson. Now, is Deshaun Watson, is he not as good as everybody thinks? And Bill O'Brien's got a pretty damn good track record with quarterbacks. He overachieved with guys before they got there winning more games or did he lose him somewhere along the line? And they need to, this is not as easy as go hire Eric Bieniemy and the Texans are back people. Trust me on this. I don't care who you hire. It depends on who you bring with him. Who's fixing this offensive line. Jamie's going to talk about the GM stuff in a minute because they are a disaster. Whoever comes in here. Uh, but Bill O'Brien, the coach did some damn good things. He had a hell of a run seven years in one place a long time, especially when a guy is that brash of a human being. But I don't think we can just sit here and always just pile on the things that he did. He had a hell of a run there for a while, and he really overachieved early on in his tenure there. I think, Jake, that's a good point to bring up. And I think the problem is he started to have – he had too much power, right? Like he went from being – he was he should have just remained the head coach and had a GM that came in that could make the personnel moves. Because really what screwed him over here was he was doing a fine job coaching. It was – the, a lot of the personnel moves that have happened that he facilitated that he can't yeah. look over and go, well, this was the GM that did it. It was all on him. He made all well, those decisions without anybody else. And so he has to take the flat for it. Oh, absolutely. I, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I'm trying to separate the coach and the GM, but the That's thing with I'm Belichick, saying, yeah. the thing with Belichick is you, you got to realize, yes, greatest coach of all time, average to better than average in the GM department, but you got to look at, was it six GMs in the league right now that all work for Belichick at one point? His personnel people, he did a pretty damn good job of having that guy you're talking about. Now, they never had the title. They all hired them out and other teams hired them as their GM. That's what O'Brien didn't do. 
Yeah. He didn't have that great personnel guy that he trusted to do it. And then when you give a guy with that personality, the head coach, the GM, the king on the crown on the head, it's not going to last that long. And then you put, you throw in all the stupid decisions that he made as a GM and it, it was time. It was time to go. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is Bill O'Brien, the general manager got Bill O'Brien, the coach fired. Uh, not just because of the, it's not just because of the moves he made as GM, but the moves he made as GM hurt his ability as a head coach to win football games. And they kind of put all that together. And this is what happened here. Uh, you know, but to your point page, that's always the concern when there's no separation of church and state here of when you're the players that you're trying to coach up that you kind of go through are the same players you're negotiating money with the same players that you're talking down. Um, this happens a lot more in baseball than in football, but with like teams that go to arbitration with players, it can sometimes turn into an absolute disaster when you have to look, when you're in a, essentially a courtroom and looking at a player in the face and telling them all the thing, all the negative things about them, that, that all the things you don't think they're good enough at. And then you want to turn around on Sundays and say, you know, give me everything you got. I believe in you. It's a, it's tough to do for anybody. It's a tough balance to have. And the, the, the systematic power grab that Bill O'Brien had over the last few years, which also resulted in uh, a first GM candidate getting hired and then let go. And then some other player personnel people coming in, they were all Bill O'Brien guys. There was no dissenting voice in that room that had enough power to change anything. And, and that creates a lot of problems down the road. And one of the biggest problems of having a coach GM is the, is their visions are somewhat aligned, but on different paths. And in this case, the GM is supposed to has the long term, has a big picture step back view of the franchise. The head coach is paid to win immediately is the way to win that Sunday, paid to win that season, paid to win right away. And sometimes those two visions can conflict. And sometimes those two visions, when they intersect, allow for things like trading two firsts for Laramie Tunsil. And basically having a trade package for Laramie Tunsil that was bigger than the trade package that you paid end up moving if you do all the pieces around for Deshaun Watson. Oh, and by the way, you then having to still on top of that negotiate one of the richest contracts in, in history. So you're putting all of that on top of everything and you're not wanting to pay Hopkins, so you ship him out. Well, guess what? The players that really wanted to play with DeAndre Hopkins and are missing DeAndre Hopkins right now are staring at you. And you're, this is the guy that took it out. So uh, ultimately, Bill O'Brien, as a just a coach alone, yes, there were some mind-numbing in-game decisions that he had at points in his career. There were some epic playoff collapses, none bigger than the one we saw last year against Kansas City. But in totality, it was a net positive as a coach. As a GM, he leaves this franchise in an absolutely horrible position with bloated salaries, and no, no immediate impact draft capital to speak of. So yeah, that's that's those are the two things. Like, look, the Texans aren't exactly a storied franchise. When he, yeah. uh, so I think we have to remember that to Jake's point, the success he was able to have, particularly with the just the run of the mill quarterbacks prior to Deshaun Watson, the the Ryan Mallets of the world, the Brock Osweilers. The I mean, I mean, it was a a who's who of nobody at quarterback for a while. I mean, playing playoff games with TJ Yates as a starter. I mean, there, there were some, he overcame a lot as a coach, but once he started to grab more power, I don't think it's a coincidence that that side of, of the team started to fall as well, even if they had some other nicer pieces around them. So ultimately they're not in a great spot right now. And, you know, a coach coming into that scenario, the positive is you don't have to immediately, immediately look for a quarterback. The negative is, trying to rebuild this team with the draft capital they have 
And all those salaries is going to be a disaster. Yeah, one final thing to note here. I think the final nail in the coffin was they have the highest cash value of any franchise. If you equate this to baseball, this is the New York Yankees with a $500 million payroll. Their payroll cash value, so signing bonuses, all the stuff going out from the owner, was higher than anybody in the NFL, and they start 0-4. That's enough for an owner to go, oh, hell no, I'm, I'm done. Uh, if this had happened a couple years ago, guys, when we were talking about Bill O'Brien's been on the hot seat for a couple years, right, before he kind of did the power grab with the GM and stuff, I know for a fact if he'd have come on the open market, he'd have been hired in five minutes by three different teams. It'll be interesting to see how bad this has turned in the last couple of years. If he's unhirable or if somebody like the Jets, I don't know how many teams, I don't know how many jobs are going to come open this year. I think there's probably still going to be five, but this is a weird thing we're dealing with still with COVID, how many games get played and all that. I don't know that he's out of the running for getting another head coaching job, but it's going to have to be the right place. And it's going to have to be a GM that knows him, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely this, this whole situation with, with him has been interesting to watch unfold, but I think I never thought that he was going to recover from the Hopkins stuff. I just did not The second that it happened, I it went, was that bad. this is it. This is it. This is it. You cannot trade a, an absolute surefire superstar face of your franchise for what you got back. You just, it is, it, it, it's irre- like irreparable damage. The second that it happened, I have never in my life seen Twitter get along about anything. It doesn't exist. There is never a time where the entirety of sports media agrees on anything. This was the one thing. Every single sports media entity, individual, NFL reporter, writer, every single person dunked on Bill O'Brien every single one. And it was deserved. And, and I think the worst part of the whole thing was you're used to guys that like Antonio Brown or Ocho Cinco or Torello, or like guys that are wide receivers that have diva attitudes. That was never the case with DeAndre Hopkins. You had a superstar who was a good ass dude and you had all the, and then you got all the stuff that comes out about Bill O'Brien. It was just the second that that happened, I went, it's probably not good for Bill. Like, this is not good. Like, this is this is catastrophic level media coverage. And then you add that in tandem with you looked at their schedule and the roster that they have, which is not good. It is a bad roster. It is a very bad. It's an aging defense and a bad roster. And you looked at that and you went, yes, it's probably not very good. This is, this is probably not going to end well because nobody's going to. Re- and a regressing superstar quarterback. And he can't There's no other way around. to look at it than that. Yep. Yep. And he can't look around and blame anybody else. He has to take the blame. And at the end of the day, he's the lone man standing here. So it will be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But I agree 150% with Jake. This is not a, I'm going to go hire Eric B enemy and everything's going to be fine. That's not how this is going to work. This roster needs a lot of work. They need to hire a GM. They need to have a head coach and they need to hire somebody who's going to bring a staff. And that's way easier said than done. I love the initial thought process of I'm going to go hire a quarterback guru offensive. Eric Bieniemy is not a quarterback guru. No. Anybody giving Eric Bieniemy any credit for Patrick Mahomes? I'm sure not sure what he does in that offense. There's been a bunch of guys that have come out of there. I think he's going to be a head coach. I think he's going to be a damn good head coach. But he hasn't been in the league very long. I don't know who he's bringing as a staff. I don't know who the actual guy with his hands on Deshaun Watson is going to be. Not the guy calling the plays, the guy in his ear, in his room, teaching him the offense every day. That is going to be huge. The guy needs work, and he's got to learn a whole new system to do that now with new checks and new visual kind con- all that stuff. Jamie had the nail on the head. 
the, the separation of church and state and the, the baseball arbitration thing, that was the, that was the, that, that, and what you just said, Paige, that, that trade, but when you got to sit there and, and negotiate these guys and then go and coach them, the only reason it works with Belichick is he's, he's underpaying them anyway, and they're coming to play for him regardless. Yeah. So like that, that's already a thing. Like I'm not it's paying anybody else. That comes there. with them. Yeah. That's because of the rings and who he is. That's the only reason that works. Nobody else can pull that off and nobody else deserves yeah. to pull it off. No. And, and we still are to be determined on if it works long-term without Brady. Like there's also that, like it's, that's, that's a factor. Like it's, it, it worked for a long time in tandem with your quarterback who took pay cuts to make sure that the team friendly deals and everything like this wasn't just Belichick. Like there were a lot of Deshaun Watson didn't take a team friendly deal. Like it wasn't no, no pay cut happening for Deshaun Watson. And the, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Go, go get your money, man. But like, you have to understand fans have to understand how big of an impact that made on the team and what Belichick was allowed to do because Brady at the end of the day, just wanted to win rings. That's it. Like didn't need to be the highest paid quarterback when he could have been for a very, very long time. That's, that's, that's a factor in this whole thing. So, and as it pertains to Eric B as somebody who watches the Chicago bears uh, as a bears fan, do not think that you're going to get somebody that's Andy Reid. Just a, just a reminder, like Matt Nagy is not Andy Reid. And I heard it all coming out. Like, I'm sorry, but you have to understand that those guys are who they are because of what they've been able to accomplish. It's not, hey, I worked in that system and I'm the same person. I can assure you of that. It's not the one. Same. They don't have the experience, right? Like you've been in the, the system. Staff. Yeah, you you saw the offense. You might be calling the plays, whatever it is. You got to go figure out who you are as a coach, who you are as a leader, who you are as now a head coach is probably going to be calling plays. How that fits in? That's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, by the way, I got to fix a franchise quarterback which gave 160 million dollar contract to. A lot. I don't have a first and second round pick, and my defense sucks. I, there's a lot going on there. By the way, it's a hell of a lot better job than the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that bar is buried underground. I mean, that's it's, probably a it's, not- it's probably a, it's probably a better job than the Falcons too. Yeah, yeah, because, gonna be. yeah, because the Falcons, the, the Falcons might have their first round pick, but the rest of that team is a disaster, and they're in cap hell, and that's not getting any better anytime soon. And that defense is worse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, none of these jobs that are coming open quickly here are going to be any good. No, they're not any good. All right, guys, let's move on here and talk about risers and fallers as we head into week five. So something that the guys do, you can check out the rankings on the draftnetwork.com. We're usually, if not first, one of the first people to get out our rankings. So, Jamie, I'll go to you first here. Who do you have rising? We'll start with the positives. Who do you have rising in week five? Uh, as as just so, just so people are clear, it's this week. It's not like in yeah. totality. It's hey, or the rankings week five. What do you have going this week? Who do you like maybe more than you did uh, the week prior? So ranking running backs this week was difficult uh, with all the injuries, and and we have two teams on bye week, and we have two teams that might not play a football game this week. So. Makes things very difficult, but all the way up at number six this week, and courtesy of the Atlanta Falcons defense, is Mike Davis. Uh, I'm really excited to see him this week. They are very much using him in that Christian McCaffrey light role. To Bridgewater is dumping off passes to him. He's catching a, he's catching a ton of balls. And if you're like Paige and you replace Christian McCaffrey with Mike Davis in your league, it still hurts, but it doesn't hurt anywhere near as bad as you thought it was going to a couple weeks ago. As you see, Atlanta can't stop anybody. Jamal Williams just carved them up for running back catches. Aaron Jones catches a touchdown. 
Uh, Mike Davis is going to be really good in this matchup. Number six, I did. I, if you would have shown me this, taken a picture of this and shown this to me back in the preseason, I would not have believed you that there was any scenario in the world where this played out <laughs> like this. But uh, he is my number six running back going into week five. I like that one. I like that one for my fantasy team. And I know there's a lot of people like myself who had Christian McCaffrey, who more than likely you were either probably one or two. And when he went down, you thought, meh, this is not good. So if you can weather the storm without your number one guy, knowing that the news today uh, that came out that was we're recording the podcast on Monday night, it's probably going to make miss one more week and then come back. Uh, it's good news. If you're a, a Christian McCaffrey owner, Jake, who do you have rising on your list as we head into week five? C.D. Lamb, I had him pretty high last week, but I got to put him even higher than that. The touchdowns, and he looks like he has phenomenal chemistry with Dak. He's playing the slot. He is a matchup nightmare playing the slot for anybody that's trying to cover him. You cannot drop a safety down there. You almost need to take one of your best outside corners, the guys that can double up and play inside and put him in there. They're moving him all over the place, and he just looks absolutely phenomenal. I think we talk about rookie wide receivers so often and how how hard it is for them to make the adjustment. Dude does not look like a rookie. He is No, he's outplayed that already. He's He's phenomenal yeah. in this offense. He has played phenomenal. Uh Jamie, any other risers that you have going into week 5? Yeah, I I kind of like Devonta Freeman this week because Dallas is going to put up a gajillion points. Their defense is terrible and I think the Giants are going to have to dump it off a lot and they're going to be a lot of garbage time late in this game. I wanted to see him get acclimated in this offense. I want to see him use a little bit more, have him ranked. Not, he's not quite in the top 20 for me, but I have him ranked as a low end RB two this week where things get really rough really quickly. But I think he could have one of those like eight or nine catch for 65 yard games, maybe adds another 30, 40 yards on the ground. And you look up in PPR leagues and all of a sudden it's a damn good game. We'll call that a James white. I can see him very much doing a vintage James white type game here. As the Giants, I mean, they're going to have to – this offense has to start throwing. It has to start performing better. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to win this game, but they should be able to get plenty of yards and points against Dallas, which who should also put up a gajillion points on their end, like they seem to be doing. Like, this should be another high-scoring game. Yeah, I'd like to start the petition now to outlaw the NFC East being allowed into the postseason. So, I'm just throwing it out there. Nobody in that division should be allowed in. We should veto them being allowed in. Jake, I know you got a couple other wide receivers on your list for risers. Uh, tell us uh, why you have them rising and who they are. Well, Fuller, he's healthy. He's playing good. I mean, he's fighting through stuff. He's out there on the field. He's trying to be the number one for that team. And when he's healthy, he's done it. And he's staying healthy. He's got Jacksonville this week. I think it's a really good matchup for him. Another one that's kind of deep, but he's going to probably make my list, is Nelson Aguilar. All of a sudden, he goes from Philly where he can't catch a cold to he goes to the Raiders. He's probably now the number one option, him and, him and Renfro in the slot. Uh, but he catches everything. He's diving, making catches. He's catching balls with his hands, getting his feet in bounds. He looks like a different player. He looks explosive. He looks fast. I don't know how big it's going to be for fantasy. It's more of like a, a watch kind of riser. But I, if you're really hurting, you're in a really deep league, He's somebody I'll keep an eye on for sure. Listen, depending on what happens with the Titans-Bills game and with guys sitting out and, man, quite frankly, all the injuries that we're dealing with in fantasy football, these are some of the things you need to start paying attention to. All right, on the negative side here, Jamie, who do you have falling this week, week five? Zach Ertz. I don't have him as a top five tight end this week. He'll be down at number seven for me. Uh, he's right now, after four weeks, the number 14 tight end. Uh, and he's played every game. Uh, not something I anticipated. And Goddard's been out for a couple of these games. 
Uh, it's just a product of this just lackluster Eagles offense right now. He, there's really nobody involved aside from Greg Ward. We even saw Miles Sanders have some issues late in that game getting involved uh, off, of, off of last night. Uh, so to me, he's somebody that, I mean, you're probably still starting him, but you just lower your expectations. He's not anywhere near that top class right now with, with Kittle and Kelsey and Waller and Andrews. Like the, he's, he's not, he's not in that consideration anymore. So, and he goes up against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense on the road this week. So put all of that together, not somebody that is a, a must start anymore, at least not yeah, honestly. Week. I was going to say, honestly, probably could have ended up in our stud and dud segment as of where you drafted him um, and where he's ended up on a points per game average so far. Jake, who do you have falling this week? Well, I'll switch it up and I'll go with number two to follow up Jamie right there. I got Miles Sanders. He's been really good since he's come back from injury. He's really all they have. But this Steelers defense is going to do nothing but key on him. Uh, Ertz has kind of been a dink and dunk kind of guy. He's not going down the field at all anyway. Their pass rush is going to get to Wentz big time. I think Miles Sanders has a decent day, but I'm dropping him out of what probably was going to be a top 10 the last couple of weeks coming back from injury to outside that. I, I wouldn't expect a big day from him. Yeah, not, not a good matchup uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles who are riding high after a victory, but I think it will be a, a short-lasting victory Monday as they head in for a bad matchup against Pittsburgh who just had an unexpected bye uh, over the last week. Jamie, who else do you have falling in week five? Well, let, let's throw some shade on the Bears since uh, we get to do it now that you're here on the podcast. Uh, the other this one for me is it's Anthony Miller. Um, I know he's got two touchdowns this year, and it's kind of saved his value a little bit, but I, was, I watched a lot of Anthony Miller last year. I was a huge fan of his both in real life and in fantasy, and I saw the impact that he had. He is not having that impact to games right now, and I ranked Darnell Mooney ahead of him this week. Uh, I, I did not have Anthony Miller in my top 50 uh, Mooney just snuck in. He's dropped passes. I feel like every single week uh, he's dropped at he least has. two touchdowns that I've seen this year so far. He doesn't appear to be hurt. And that's been, that was the biggest thing that was holding him back in previous seasons. So, and look right now I need to see this bears offense just be better in general. Like that. I, I am so I'm so happy there were at least two other games to watch in that late window because that was a disaster from both sides. And, you know, you can go back and listen to what Jake and I said, cause I don't not, not the Colts weren't great either, but uh, I need to see this bears offense in general, be a lot better. I need to see him be a lot better uh, at this point. Like he's, he's droppable. I, I with all of it, there are so many solid wide receiver options. Like, I mean, that are guys who are just sitting out there in 70, 80, 90% of leagues, the Greg Wards, the even a Nelson Aguilar, a Cole Beasley, if he ends up playing this week. Like, there are just so many players out there that are just will get you those 9, 10, 11, 12 PPR points. There's just no reason to risk it anymore on an offense that looks this anemic. Yeah, he has dropped a pass in every game so far this season. Uh, a couple in two of the games, multiple drop passes, drop touchdown. Just really a disappointment thus far from a fantasy perspective when you you see the talent and the question was whether or not he could stay healthy. And now it's now it's he's got the drops and it's it's a consistent drop issue for him, whether it's Mitch or or Nick Foles doesn't matter. He's dropped passes from both guys. Uh, it's, it's been really inconsistent and that's really not a good thing for you because Mooney is, is playing much better. And I anticipate that they're just going to start transitioning Anthony Miller out because of the, you can't count on him 
and, and Mooney is showing that he can be counted on. And, and I anticipate that that's going to be a thing. So I'm an Anthony Miller. I rostered Anthony Miller. He will not be start. He will not be sniffing my starting lineup uh, over the next couple of weeks until he proves me otherwise, Jake, who do you have falling uh, this week? Well, this is along with the Anthony Miller thing. Look, we all love him. I, he still has yeah, a chance to turn this around and be the, be the slot there because sure. I think Mooney could be the other outside of Allen Robinson. Mooney still played like a rookie at times, but he's been electric at times as well. I uh, know a lot of people real high on him coming out of the draft. I'm going David Montgomery this week, guys. It's a horrendous matchup against the only thing healthy on the Buccaneers is the defense. They are going back to last year, the number one rush defense in football, period, end of story. The Bears are much harder to defend with, with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback than they are Nick Foles, especially when it comes to David Montgomery. He looked anemic, and it was not his fault. We love the player. As bad as banged up as the running back position is, you probably still have to play him. But I wouldn't count on running back one or two. It maybe flex at best. I, I don't know what you do here. Uh, but this is an awful matchup. Unless he gets a couple dump passes – and he can get you some PPR points that are just trash. Uh, this game might be nine, seven when it's over with. So I wouldn't expect like this giant touchdown game, uh, but this is a bad, bad matchup for him. Yeah. I have him yeah. ranked as my RB 26 and I hate it, but like the guys yeah. behind him are like banged up cam Akers in a three headed backfield. Dearness Johnson, jo- Justin Jackson, JD McKissick. I mean, this, I mean, this, the, the cliff that the running back position falls off on is just ridiculous right now. Um, so odds are you probably are playing them this week and hopefully you have better options because nobody runs on the Buccaneers. Uh, and there are superstars that are not running on the Buccaneers right now. And Montgomery, I don't trust he's going to necessarily get the passing volume. I like that. He got six targets last week. I said that on the show on our show earlier this year or earlier this week that I'm glad he got that boost because that's going to be a key going forward. But you know, this wasn't going to be like the hypothetical, he ended up getting hurt, but the hypothetical Austin Eckler situation going into last week, where you're like, well, he might get you six or seven catches and be fine. If you get four catches from David Montgomery, you're thrilled. So he just, this is just not going to be a big game for him at all. Yeah. And if you have him, maybe you get a, you know, you get a goal line touchdown if that's the case. But I, I mean, you're, you're looking at less than 50 yards rushing. If he can add in some catches, it'd be a good night. But I, I got him way down the list. Yeah. You're, you're, you're starting him because you don't have options. But it just temper your expectations. He should be starting in a flex role, but I understand why you would have him uh, as an RB2 because you don't have a lot of options. So just temper your expectations because uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers know how to handle running backs. So if, if they're going to shut anything down, it's going to be that. So I don't anticipate that it's going to be a very good day for, for David Montgomery or the Chicago Bears. All right, we are a fourth of the way into the season, guys, and that is why we're going to do a segment called Studs and Duds. So we are taking a Kyle Krabs lovely, lovely uh, article that he has done for a long time called Studs and Duds, and we're turning it into a podcast segment. So one stud, one dud, a quarter of the way through the season, guys that we get to tell you, hey, we were right about, and then guys we have to admit, yeah, this is the guy we were wrong about. So I'll start here, guys. We'll start with the let's start with the duds. Let's start with the negative and end on a positive note. This one pains me. T.Y. Hilton. He has not been good, man. And it's been it's been ugly. He's had 16 total receptions through four games. He has not had he has 162 total receiving yards through four games. This is the guy that is the number one. They are missing multiple wide receivers in this offense. Uh, I am 
as much as I was driving the TY bandwagon with everybody on this show, I cannot count on him moving forward as a wide receiver. I, I'm I'm going to put him in, depending on the matchups, in a flex spot, but I have better options on my roster who have been more consistent throughout this year, and I cannot trust him at this time, especially after I benched him. I had him in this week, and Scotty Miller put up 20 points on my bench. Like I can't, I can't do it with the injuries that are existing. And there's, there's things like there's just better options at the wide receiver position. So T.Y., it pains me. You're a talented ass dude. You just don't have chemistry with Phillip Rivers and it shows. And I don't think Phil can make the throws that it takes to get T.Y. involved. That's exactly right. Jake's doing the sidearm sling that Phil's doing because it's, it's not pretty, man. It's not pretty. Uh, and, and T.Y. is just not getting the volume. So He's my first dud. I'll let uh, I'll let Jake go second. Who's your dud uh, a quarter of the way through? Yeah, I feel like I drafted pretty well. Uh, I've got a ton of injuries. I mean, I've got a yeah. bunch. One guy I was counting on about now, Jamie and I both, was DeAndre Swift. Dud. I don't know that it's him. They're just not using him at all. They're going Adrian Peterson. I thought they'd use him out of the backfield, but they're not using that much when they're in shotgun. Uh, I'm going to have to go with a dud on this. I dropped him. Uh, this week in the league that I drafted him in, and I I feel perfectly fine with it. I, I'm not even worried about going to pick him up later on. No, the Detroit has had a tough time with the running game for a long time, but this isn't that. This is they're just not going to him, which has been yeah. uh, tough for sure. If you're the Andre Swift owner, all right, Jamie, round us out. Who's your dud? It's Matt Breda. Uh, I was really excited when they, the Miami Dolphins made that trade during the I believe it was day two of the draft when they made that trade and seeing how they could use him thinking about how we were picking up Patrick Laird late last season and throwing him in flex spots and thinking, wow, you know, we get the speed of Matt Breida, what he can do as a thunder and lightning with Jordan Howard. And we're four weeks in the season. He has 22 touches. Uh, he is just a non-factor in their game plan. He's been, everybody's been passed on that, on that board by uh, Miles Gaskin. I mean, Jordan Howard is averaging less than like a yard of carry right now. Uh, and it's really strictly a put him in on first and goal at the one. Otherwise we don't need him. Uh, I'm just, I was surprised. I thought he was going to be a solid like flyer guy. I had him as a borderline top 30 running back in the preseason and he's just a complete non-factor. Yeah. It's uh, it's a, you, you thought with giving up draft capital that he would be a little bit more of an emphasis for this Miami Dolphins team, but hasn't been thus far. All right. Moving on to the positives, the stud section, uh, very happy to go through this list because there's a couple of names uh, here that I'm excited about. Um, I think we all collectively were higher on these guys. Uh, as you'll see, it's just depending on who got to draft who in what league. Um, my guy's Chris Carson uh, for a lot of reasons. But as far as where I got to draft him, that's a ding. Uh, playing through injury, that's a ding. Three out of four weeks with over 20 points on, in fantasy, that's a ding. Uh, I am so happy that I drafted Chris Carson uh, was so happy to see him put up a 25 point performance in fantasy football on the road with, I, I mean, the fact that he played in this game after the injury that I watched a week prior is enough just to say, wow, what a tough ass dude, but not only to do that, but then go out and put up a 25 point performance in fantasy. Like he's top of my list of, of studs because he, he is carrying my team through the non-Christian McCaffrey time. And I have him in every league. I have him in all three leagues because I got to draft him very, very in a very favorable spot. So very happy with Chris Carson and what I've been able to get out of him thus far. Jake, who's your stud? 
So this puts me in a weird position being the football guy uh, that just sits on the couch and watches football guy on the show. Cause I want to, I want my fantasy guy. I want to, I want to like their football. So I originally yeah. wrote down Kyler Murray, who's had really good fantasy weeks, but I don't like his football right now. Ooh, I don't think he's I playing that well. He doesn't, he doesn't have a 300 yard game. He's getting some touchdowns and he's having some runs, which I've talked about all the time is the biggest skewer in fantasy football. So I'm going to skip off of that. I like him. He's been good. It's been a good draft pick. Been solid. Amari Cooper has been freaking phenomenal. He's a one. He's a one. He got paid like a one. He shuts his mouth. In Dallas, of all places, he goes out there and gets 12 targets a week, and he puts up number one numbers. Two 30-point games so far, all of them over 20. He has been phenomenal. I think I had him at 10 or 11 in my preseason rankings, uh, top receivers. He has been phenomenal, and you don't hear a word about him. You see, D. Lamb gets so much more coverage. Gallup gets covered. Dak's getting off. Amari Cooper's just over there shutting up, putting up 150 to touchdown every week. Yeah, a very quiet superstar in a diva position uh, in Dallas of all places, which is incredible. But I, how well I know you. I saw this. I saw Kyler Murray on there, and I went, no freaking way is he going Kyler Murray here. Kyler looks terrible. He looked terrible this past week. He looked terrible the week prior. I don't care about the fantasy. I needed the football lens. I'm so happy that you went there because I, I looked at this and I go, I don't give a shit that Kyler looks good in fantasy. He looked terrible in football. And so I'm ha- I know my dude, man. I knew you weren't going to go there. So I'm happy that you didn't stick with Kyler because I was like, I'm going to call your ass out if you're going to call out Kyler Murray as your stud. So I'm happy that you didn't. I'm happy I didn't have to call ball. you out. I'm, I'm happy you threw, threw us a curveball. Jamie, who's your stud to round us out here? I am very thrilled to announce that my yes. stud is Aaron freaking Jones. Uh, Thank you I, very much. People. I don't believe there was anybody in the fantasy community higher on Aaron Jones than myself with my break. That's my number five overall player. Uh, I had another t- scored again tonight Has the number two running back in fantasy right now behind only the other guy. I loved Alvin Kamara coming into the year. I mean, he has been an absolute stud. We haven't even seen him at a full hundred percent yet. They're holding him back in a lot of these games and mixing in other guys to, to use him more late in the season. He's been an absolute stud. He's got a ton of touchdowns. So everything, everybody, all the holes that people wanted to poke, and Aaron Jones's game for no reason other than they're just like, oh, well, he's just not going to do it again. Just have not shown up. Uh, so I am thrilled in all the leagues that I got him. Hopefully our listeners, as we pounded the table for Aaron Jones all off season, that you have a few shares of him in your leagues and are very happy about that as well. Uh, just to me, this was the scenario that he is an integral piece of the Packers offense. I know he's young, but listen to what Aaron Rodgers, whenever he gets the opportunity to talk about Aaron Jones, Listen, listen to what he says. Listen to how much he talks about his maturity, how much he's rooting for Aaron Jones to be successful and understand that in the scope of this offense, it's Devontae Adams and it's Aaron Jones and it's Aaron Rodgers. And that's where this offense goes. There, there might be big Robert Tanya nights. There might be big Marquez Valdez Scantling nights, but those are the three pillars of this Packers offense right now. And that's not going to change when they're healthy. You remember when everyone tried to tell us that AJ Dillon, because he had big thighs, was going to be a thing? Because I do. do the, yeah, we do this every oh. offseason. We do. Don't this understand. Again, this is why Don't I understand. say this. Maybe make a notebook and write a few of these things down because we gave you some tips on our shows last week. We're doing it now. It's so important, and I think what separates the great fantasy managers from good, regardless of what it ends up being. Sometimes you deal with injuries. We know how this works, but the great from good is they remember. 
their in-season strategy and in-season feelings the next offseason. Remember these things. Remember the hype that you heard from everybody. Remember last year? Who was it last year? It was Darwin Thompson. Everybody was absolutely convinced that Darwin Thompson was going to be like the guy, and it didn't happen. Everybody, every offseason falls in love with some rookie, some rookie somewhere, some second-year player that they just they absolutely just adore. It's never played a snap of professional football in their lives, but they absolutely adore, and they know they're going to be great no matter what, even though they don't have the starting job. Just remember this next year when it inevitably happens. It's going to happen somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be yet, but it's going to happen somewhere. Relax. This is my opportunity since I missed the show with my guys yesterday to dunk on everybody, okay? So this is this is a collective dunk on the whole entire fantasy community with the exception of a few outliers. Jake jokes about being the football guy who quote unquote watches because of a, if you missed that show where I, I called them very, very bluntly, my football analytics guy, but this is where this matters. Okay. We have people who actually watch football. Okay. Because this is, this is where fantasy analysts tend to go. I want this to happen. So I'm going to buy into a storyline where it doesn't fit what a scheme is, what a coach does, what the system is. And they buy into this and they do these rankings and none of it makes sense from a football perspective. So as much as we joke about the football guy in the end, no, the difference between this show and what most people do in the fantasy community is this show actually watches football. Like all, and, and didn't just show up to start watching football, has been watching football for decades and, and knows coaches and talks to people in the league and knows, hey, listen, you might want this to happen, but that's not going to happen. We told you about Baltimore's running backs and this and this certain schemes that you're looking at and you're going, yes, I want this to happen. Well, guess what? As a Bears fan, yes, I've wanted David Montgomery to be a thing for a very long time. Matt Nagy doesn't want the same thing as I do. Okay. So like, these are the things. We, we told you for a while. So I'm collectively dunking for my guys because this is, this is just the truth. It's you. I don't understand the Aaron Jones thing never made sense. And Jamie is right. This show. And I mean, was the only show that was riding for Aaron Jones. Everybody was out on Aaron Jones. And I mean, every fan ESPN fantasy, everybody, nobody, he wasn't even in the top 10. The best part, it was all three of us. We all have shares of Aaron Jones because we're we all freaking love him. Jamie took him earlier than he wanted to in our league just to make sure he had him. Uh, I mean, I had him. He was my last player playing in one league tonight, and he freaking went off. I won by thirty because he got thirty. Whatever they got, and he, we and all he love left. Him. He left probably fifteen points on the board because oh, they start. Easy. You saw him go away from him, right? So I, I this is uh, I, I laugh and I and we always joke about dunking, but I get so much commentary from people about the about how we joke about dunking on people. This is a collective dunk. Because the Aaron Jones stuff never made sense. If you watch, I trust me, as painful as this is, I've been watching the Green Bay Packers a long time, okay? I know what they want to do, and I know what I've seen for a long time. Aaron Jones was never not going to be a thing this year. So I hope you all enjoyed your A.J. Dillon side time that you had this offseason, you morons, because that didn't turn into anything. This is like the stupidest thing I've ever seen this offseason that happened uh, with everything going on in Green Bay. So I said all those nice things about my guys because now I have to fight with Jake. Okay. So this is how this happened. Okay. So I had all these nice things that got out of the way, buttered them up. So that way we could talk about Thursday night football because this is the only time. Okay. I don't ever remember a time where we had this 
battle going between the two teams because the only time the Bears and the Cardinals played each other in recent memory, Bruce wasn't the head coach. And the team time prior to that, I was I didn't know Jake at the time. I only knew Bruce. And Bruce actually called me out, which is a funny story that I'll tell at a at maybe in our TDN fantasy after dark show. But he your pops made fun of me for my Chicago ties and at, and put me on the spot uh in his early years when he played Chicago and David Johnson had that breakout game if you guys recall uh was a was an unbelievable game for David Johnson but the Thursday night football game is the Bucks visiting the Chicago Bears if, if things were normal Jake and I would be on the sidelines of this game okay this is this this was the plan all along uh Shelby his wife has never been to Chicago we had all these plans to be in Chicago do all this fun stuff uh not happening this year will happen at a, at a later time to get Jake to Soldier Field but Listen, guys, this is the game that I was excited for. Now I'm like, oh, God. I, I saw that offense, and now I'm now I'm in this, oh, God. But now I see all the injuries that have happened for the weird night on the road. And I'm going, okay, maybe it's just going to be an ugly game. Maybe it's just going to be an ugly game across the board, and that's kind of my feeling. So, Jake, what is your initial thoughts on this on this rivalry week on the TDN Fantasy Podcast? Well, the best part, even if we're in Chicago, no matter what happens Thursday night, we're going to hug, kiss, and oh, go have yeah. a drink afterwards and have one hell That's of a weekend. Sure. So I, I hate that we're not going to get to do it. I um, well, I, I, I'm disappointed because the Bucks are walking wounded. They're going to be hard enough to get healthy enough to get on the bus to fly up there, and hopefully nobody swells up and can't play. Probably going to be no Mike Evans, probably no Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard's now out for the year. The offensive line is healthy. They had the big, my biggest takeaway from the Bucks this weekend, 43 snaps without a sack. And at times, Rob Gronkowski was blocking Joey Bosa one-on-one, man-to-man, and didn't give up anything. Uh, but they're hurting. I mean, Scotty Miller's been good. He's on injury report. Not sure if he's going to play. Not sure if they're getting Fournette back. By the way, there's this thing called COVID, so they can't sign anybody, can't bring anybody up off a of practice squad because they don't have a running back on the practice squad right now. If Fournette can't go, they have Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. So let's let's have a little fun since this is the, the Bears and the, and the Bucks here. Let's break this down. Jamie, jump in here with us. We'll go quick because I'm not going to argue, argue. Let's break it down by position. It's closer than you think, especially defensively. Corners. Who has the better corners? The Bears. No, the Bucks have better yeah, corners. Kendall Fuller's freaking awesome, but overall, the Bucks have better corners. They have more. The, the other side of Kendall Fuller, they're weak. Is it Kyle Fuller? I love I love the whole Fuller family. Go Hokies. Jamie, what do you say on that one? Uh, I, I will lean to Tampa on that one. Okay. Safeties. I'm going Chicago. Yeah. 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 They're good. They're good. They're just young in Tampa. Okay. Yeah, Linebackers. Yeah. I'm going Bucks. Yeah. Bucks. Yeah. Danny Trevathan. I love Roquan's a freaking beast, but Trevathan's getting old and you guys maybe the two it's, best. In it's close. It's, 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 but it's, it's David. It's close. White. I mean, right. Yeah. So, so let's go this. So, so I'm going to go defensive line. I'm going wash. The front four of the Bears is freaking ridiculous, but the front five of the Bucks, whatever you're going to say, is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't know that you can give it to either side, really. If if Goldman was didn't opt out, I think I would lean to the Bears, but I think it's it's close to even at this point. But I mean, Hicks, yeah, I mean, Hakeem like, Hicks is playing. Yeah, I was going to say I mean, this, one, I'm, line, this one. I'll fight like, for the Bears. The Bears line is better. Akeem Hicks and Khalil and Robert Quinn. It, it's collectively that group. As much as I love those boys in Tampa. Like I'll give the two, I'll give the nod on the other two, but this one with there's nobody on that line that's as good as Khalil Mack. Period. No, no, he's the best player, and I was just about to say Khalil Mack's the best player on the line by far. Vita's playing phenomenal. Sue is playing at an all-time Sue high. So I'm saying okay, so it's really close. 
So when it's I really said close. nine to nine to seven in this game, I think it <laughs> literally not... might be. I think it might be 14, 12, 13, 10. Whoever the hell gets out with a one point victory says, "I don't give a shit how we got it." Move the hell on. Give us ten days off, yeah. and let's go figure out who we're playing next. Yeah. In the Bucks case, they got to go home, get healthy for the freaking Packers. If they can you go got... up there on the road and win by one point, nobody gives a flying anything about how they get it done. I love the fact that Tom Brady had a monster game and a monster second half after he didn't play very good. Nick Foles, look, here's what I said last night, Paige, you'll probably love. Nick Foles, the reliever, is Mariano Rivera. Nick Foles, the starter, is a 45-year-old dude with a beer gut still playing single-A baseball trying to be a pitcher. And there is no arguing that at this point. Give me the stats of all of his starts versus he is literally Mariano Rivera coming in as a reliever. He's freaking unbelievable. Mitch Trubisky is, they are harder to defend because of Mitch's athleticism, the ability to run. Foles is a statue and they now want to throw it. And we all said last week, we want David Montgomery to be a thing. We all love the player. They just didn't use him. The offensive line is one of the weakest parts of the team. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to move. It's like who can make two or three more plays than the other team and come out of this with one, one, one point. I, I, I don't, I don't see, what is the line? Five and a half. Five with and these a half. Inju- I don't think it stays there with these injuries. Like the, the bucks, man, this is, they are the walking wounded coming out of this last game. If, if they are actually not going to suit up Mike Evans, we know, obviously, we know, obviously Chris Godwin's going to be out. OJ Howard's out. If Leonard Fournette doesn't play in this game and Mike Evans doesn't play in this game, I think that line, obviously Mike not playing would be, the thing that moves this. And I think I mean, look, Mike played with a freaking sprained ankle through his last one. He's tough as hell. I, know. I mean, who knows? But you got to jump on a plane. You got to go to Chicago. It's that it's going to be really, really hard. And he's not going to be 100% even if he does. Yeah. It's, it's, this is just, I think this is going to be an ugly game, right? I think you've got, you've got one, the Bucks are going on the road on a short week. It's Thursday night. Thursday night traditionally is ugly in general when you get to this point. Um, especially this point of the season, as injuries start to pile up, the Bucks do have a ton of injuries. And listen, as I didn't get to talk about the Bears game last night, the, what I saw was Nick Foles doesn't have any chemistry with anybody on this team. He Green very passes. clearly is. He's not, on, he's not on the same page as his receivers at all. There were missed routes. There was miscommunications. He was overthrowing guys. It was, it was very clear to me as I – as I described in this offseason, with the abridged offseason and less time to practice, Mitch was going to very clearly look like the better guy because he knows the system and he knows these guys and he has chemistry. What I saw from Nick Foles was no chemistry, not a lot of reps with the ones, not a lot of com- not not great communication. That's what I saw. And that the Indy's, D- Indy's defense all. is really good. Indy's really defense good. is really good, we talked about, but it's also they're easier to defend. You know what you can call against Nick. Yes. Because Mitch can take off and burn your ass at any moment with that running ability. And yeah, he throws picks and I'm, I'm not getting into who's playing the, the position better. I'm talking about how you are to defend them. They're easier to defend with Nick Foles than they are with Trubisky. 100, 150%. And listen, I'm not, I know Bears fans. I know people that are listening to the podcast. I've been asked a gazillion times on social media. You guys know how I feel. If I haven't been clear enough, this is as clear cut as I could possibly be. Mitchell Trubisky is the guy for me. I have made that clear for a very long time. The problem is Matt Nagy does not change his offenses, does not run the plays to best suit Mitch. Mitch is not his guy. I know that for a fact. I'm not breaking news here. 
Okay. This is not, he is not the quarterback that he wants to play. That is Ryan Pace's guy. That's the GM's guy. It is not Nagy's guy. He's been very clear about that. And he got Nick Foles to run his offense, period. That is exactly what is happening. This is not going to end well in Chicago. It was never going to end well. I wasn't happy when they signed Nick Foles this offseason. I asked for Andy Dalton a thousand times. Could not have asked more clearly for Andy Dalton. I or prayed Teddy. for Andy Dalton. That is exactly right. A million times. But listen, this is what this is. I knew this was going to happen at some point. But this game specifically as it pertains to this Thursday night game, I don't think we're going to get a lot of fantasy relevance out of this game because I don't think we're going to get a lot of points. And Jamie, you maybe you think differently than us, but Jamie, that's... let's bring Jamie in since Paige yeah. is a bigger homer than me, and I'm being <laughs> I'm being totally unbiased in my uh, in my opinion of this game. So let's bring Jamie in to see what he has yeah. to say. Here. Oh, they're not uh, winning this game. The Bears are not. I'm not. I, I can't see a way. I can't. No, I can't see no it. Chance. And look, I, I don't love that the line is five and a half, and I'd sit back and wait because I think this line could drop to as much as Bucks minus three and a half, depending on how injury reports and stuff come out. I don't think there's any reason to be urgent, especially unless you want to bet on the Bears. If you want to bet on the Bears, get it now. But if you want to bet on the Bucks, wait, uh, because I there's nothing that's going to happen that I can imagine that's going to shoot this line up. I think the only things that can happen is the injury reports come out, is you get a little bit better number having to lay five and a half points here. Uh, I, I'm not excited really about anybody in this game. Um, I look, we talked about the running back situation and you're, uh, there are going to be a lot of fantasy managers that are forced to, to play Ronald Jones and, and David Montgomery. I like Jones more than Montgomery, obviously, but I don't think either is an ideal play, but it's hard to make an argument if Fournette is out and we'll see that's still an if, but if he's out, I think Ronald Jones is probably a low-end RB, too, and he might get a lot of work in this game. Uh, Mike Evans, if he plays, you got to start him. Like He's proven to you at this point, and especially this season, that he will, if he's on the field, he will limp his way to a touchdown. He will find a way to score uh, in, in some capacity. But uh, So I, I ranked 25 quarterbacks this week, okay? There are two quarterbacks on by, two quarterbacks that I'm not ranking in the Titans game. Nick and so that means there were 28 possible quarterbacks for me. I ranked 25 of them. Guess who didn't make the list? It ain't Nicholas Foles. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a, you're, you're playing Allen Robinson. You're playing Mike Evans. You're probably stuck playing a running back. I don't think Tom Brady is the worst player of all time, but he's a low-end QB1 at best at this point. You might, you probably have a better option off the waiver wire. Uh, that's really it. I, I, I just – if I have to lean one way, I'm going to lean to the Bucs. The Bucs are going to win this game, so I have to lean to them covering by more than a field goal. I'll, I'll lean to them covering more than a field goal. But this is going to be an ugly game for everybody involved. And if this Bears offense looks the same as they did last week, at, at some point, when do we start talking about Matt Nagy's ability to, to run this offense and to run this team? So I got there for a second. Oh, I would but... love to talk about Matt Nagy's ability to run this offense. I would love to talk about that, Jamie. I'm ready like, to talk about it. If you're talking now. about that, then you need to start talking about is he the guy for this job? And how that, that's what I mean. Hot oh. seat, it starts getting hot towards the end of this. Yeah, I mean, this I mean his name if kind it continues of continues to look like it did last week, Jamie, to your point. Like it was it was it was god awful last and, week. But like if this if this like... Bucks team was the team that went to Denver two weeks ago, this would be a whole different conversation we're having right now without all those guys being hurt between now and, and then and now. This is an anomaly either. We saw this at for prolonged stretches last season, and I, I know his name kind of escaped everything else here, but what does Matt Nagy want? 
a lot like, of games uh, in Bears history for the first couple of years. Uh, yeah, no playoffs, no nothing but, big. But like you put him in the context of Bears coaches, it's impressive. Well, he went he won 12, a lot of he games. went twelve and four sure. and eight and eight. But I mean, that's, in the context he won the of, division and he beat he swept the Vikings, swept the Lions, split with the Packers. I mean, in context of the Bears, you guys have to understand. Like as the like that number, you you look at just those numbers and it's good. I, Ten and three in the division. That's uh, uh, that's keeping your job. That's impressive. Yes, that's impressive. Yeah, no, no, it, that gets it, it done. Is, but he ain't getting whacked this year. No. But if this no, continues but... to look like this, they're going to make some changes because he keeps bringing in his boys that all run this same razzle dazzle east to west stuff. Yes, and they don't change it. And you already you already said there's one dude above him, and that's Pace. So. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is if this continues 365 days from now, maybe add a couple weeks to that, we might be talking about a new coach there. The, the problem, oh, that seat is really hot, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem for me with this is that the, the players got to start kind of being vocal about this behind the scenes. Otherwise, this isn't going to change because he's going to have – the team is too talented. They're going to win just because Chuck's running the defense. Like, they're going to win eight games because of that defense. I've, I've been trying to tell everybody about this. All my all my people on TDN who are trying to make it a thing to get a quarterback, I go, we're not going to be drafting low enough. I tried to tell you guys this This defense is too damn good. They're too damn good. If they, stay healthy, on de- if they stay healthy on defense, you're exactly right. And Especially that division. He's yeah. Chuck's too good of a coach. Yeah, they Chuck's own that di- they own that division with the exception of Green Bay. And, and and they don't and they've had they put Chase Daniel out there and own that division. Like, come on, that's how much more talented this defense is than everybody else. And it's a joke and it's a crime because if I was the defensive player, I would feel so defeated watching that offense last week, knowing if you keep a team to under 20 points, you have to put a 20 points at home to win in the NFL. You should be there. I would a hundred times. You should out be undefeated. Yep. Yeah. You don't got to put 20 points up because that's all you needed and you couldn't do it. And it, it is, but I don't think either team snips 20 points in this game. I think it's like 14, 10 final score without Mike Evans. That's what I think is going to happen. That, like that's, I don't. And the I think o- the first, only thing there to play devil's advocate is there's this dude named Tom Brady. That in, prime t- that in prime time with some freaking dude you've never heard of, and I'm going to say Tyler Johnson this time, who played in the Big Ten right next door in Minnesota, has not had a catch yet, even though had a bunch of – he blocked his ass off this week, right? Like, is this the most Tom Brady thing ever on prime time with a new team and some dude you've never heard of breaks out into a freaking star? And next week we're talking about Tyler Johnson in the fantasy community, Jamie. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all, but I agree with you, Paige. I think it's a very low-scoring game. I think it's a very close game. I think somebody makes a play to win it, and – I just hate that I'm in Tampa and I probably know more than everybody else about how much, what's, how many guys are hurt and what's going on in this injury report. Uh, it came out today. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of dudes on it and it ain't good when you're trying to turn around and fly to Chicago. The weather's I supposed think, to be awesome though. I'm glad we're going to yeah. get decent weather, no wind and that kind of stuff. You should get a good night of football, whoever's left to play. Yeah. I think the, this is going to be a, it's it, the score will be close at the end 14, like 14, 10, 17, 10, but it's going to be another garbage time touchdown. Like you got in this Indianapolis Colts game where they're in prevent defense at the end and get the score, but they were never really in the game. Like that's what I envision that this game is like 17, three and they end up scoring a touchdown at 17, 10 or 14, 10 at the end, because I, I just, I don't have a whole lot of faith in this bears. For offense. that to happen, I, this Bucks team's got to stop beating themselves. They got to stop shooting themselves in the damn foot with stupid penalties pick six again, uh, go and cover zero and get hit with a rookie over the top for two big freaking touchdowns. I mean, they blew the doors off the charges if you take those three plays out of the game. 
and what I mean, they, it was a route, but they gave up those three plays. So they can't keep doing this either to, to get you to your scenario. I can totally see that happening, but they've been shooting themselves in the foot. The only way the Bears win this game is if the defense scores a touchdown. It's the only way. It's the only way. And I'm not saying that can happen. This Bears defense oh, it can happen. And especially if these guys, if there is a mistake that's made and Eddie Jackson or Kyle Fuller or Khalil Mack gets through and gets a strip sack, Listen, this the the only way this team is is honestly scoring points at this point is if it's the defense. So I, I think that's the only scenario of which I would put it about two percent at this point of which the Bears win this football game is if the defense scores a touchdown. That's the just only a time. Just a time to keep throwing those fifteen yards out, the fifteen yard outs to the left hash, and you'll be fine. You'll Kyle Fuller, please and thank you, Tom. <laughs> please and thank you. I will gladly take that and run with it. But uh, my official prediction for this game is: do not bet on the Bears. All my Chicagoans, I, I love you. I know I see the tweets, I read the mentions, I read my texts. I know it's it's tough, but this is not the game. Okay, just don't do me a favor. Do not bet against Tom Brady. Okay, just just don't do it. If we win, God bless. Just know you won, and you didn't have to deal with the stress of betting on this. Just don't bet on the Bears. Okay, just just don't do it. It's not what this this offense is too trash. Okay, you can you cannot cannot bet on them against this team. It's just not not against this defense. I know that Justin Herbert just looked really good, and everybody wants to. I I understand all that. It's Nick Foles. I, I would trade Nick, Nick Foles, Foles and Justin Herbert. Thank you very much. I would Dude, trade. Kid's gonna be I, a would star. Tra- I would trade a thousand Lumal Nazis pizzas and Nick Foles for Justin Herbert. Okay. So let me be very clear. Every Lumal Nazis pizza that exists for Justin Herbert. Okay? Let's trade the franchise. Everything I would, I would give up franchise. my obsession with deep dish for Justin Herbert. Okay. And a condo across from Wrigley. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, just, it would be a. I would be moving home. I'd be like, I'm moving to Chicago. We got Herbert. I'm all in. Like that's it. it would. I, it's a wrap. Like so. It's it's all jokes aside. Uh, we'll finish up the podcast here with final thoughts. Uh, well, Jake, Jamie, Jamie, give us give us your actual prediction. Oh yeah, go uh, ahead, Jamie. You can give us this is our end end of the show. But Bucks winning cover. Um, I just I think there's a very good chance we're going to hop on this show Thursday night afterward and talk about when Mitch Trubisky is going to make his next start for the Bears, Um, because I think if if we see a similar performance from this offense that we saw last week, I don't understand if Foles will have done a lot less. Excuse me. Foles will have done a lot more to get the hook than Trubisky did. Like I, I just to me, if this offense isn't working again. And again, at that point, you're three and two. You're still in playoff contention. That's the expectation of this team. It's not necessarily to win the division, but at least to be one of the three wild card teams. If you're Matt Nagy, you still have to make that decision. And what? And for better or worse, Trubisky's going to be on your team for the rest of the year. He's probably not going to be there next year, but for the rest of the year, he's going to be there. You got to try to win football games. And if this offense looks as bad as it did a second week in a row. I would love to see him twist himself into a pretzel to try to explain why he would not make a quarterback change. Because oh, I, I, God, I hope he, I hope he doesn't do it in the fourth quarter of Thursday night. Uh, listen, I've played out a million scenarios in my head, but there's nothing like other than Green Bay in their own division and Tampa that they're gonna play. Like the the NFC's wide open, guys. With all the injuries and everything, they're by far and away the second best team in this division. Uh, Minnesota is terrible and the lions are bad. They already beat up on that team. So, I mean, the, the NFC West looks like 
yeah, you've got some good, but like you got some really bad too. Uh, so this, this, the NFC's why, and the NFC East, as I said, they don't even belong in. They don't, but they don't. Hey, you know, it's a, it's a great point because offensively they're complete frauds. Yeah. Defensively, they're not what they were the last couple of years when we're talking about one or two best defenses in the league, but for they're sure. still four, what, four, five, six, maybe. Uh, they're top, yeah, <laughs> okay. for sure. So they're still top five. That's a weird anomaly this year where some of the best teams have historically bad defenses. And what happens when the weather changes, if they can get Montgomery going and figure this quarterback thing out a little bit, they got some weapons. They're going to be in a ton of games. if They don't turn it over with that defense. And this year, nobody's playing that way. Yep. So it's, I, I, well, I'm not going to call them pretenders or contenders yet. They started off. They were nice offensively. I think they're frauds until they figure that out. But defensively going to be in every damn game because they're still top five and you still got the game wrecking crew of guys that, they have five different playmakers on that defense that can change games by themselves. They're going to be yep. a ton of games. Yep. They have, they have half of those guys, more than half of those guys. I think it's nine guys have been to a pro bowl. I mean, they're there. You've got a, the, the whole defense and most importantly led by Chuck Pagano, like such cannot be understated the, the football IQ and existence on that of the football with Chuck and his background. And it matters, but it also, makes you think about the head coaching stuff and what's going on. And if Chuck was allowed to bring in an offensive guy of his own and what this team would look like, if he was kind of running the show, uh, don't think, I don't think I haven't thought about it. I played it out a couple of times, call up your old friend, Andrew Luck, see if he wants to come down to Chicago and play football again. Hello, Andrew. Uh, okay. Final thoughts. We're not talking dream scenarios here. Uh, final thoughts, Jake on today's podcast. The thing I'm looking forward to most Thursday night is BA and Chuck hugging. In pregame, Me too. I, I hope one of them is Mike. I hope there's cameras around. There always are when those two get together. Uh, true friendship, true true love that transcends the hell out of football. Uh, if you don't know the story, go back to 2012. Uh, the, the story goes 20 years before that, but 2012. And every time they get together, it's awesome. It reminds me that that's a hell of a lot bigger than football. It's going to be a really cool moment. Uh, absolutely. Jamie, final thoughts on today's pod? My biggest takeaway, and I want to go back to the point we've been talking about all day, but it's that the running back position is an absolute nightmare right now. Uh, and as I will be my second reminder, I reminded you after last uh, yesterday's show, I'll remind you now, bye weeks are happening. So all of these injuries are happening, bye weeks are happening. No Aaron Jones next week. Uh, no Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift, on Johnson next week. Like There are going to be a lot of guys, and it's a gradual start with only two teams on by, maybe four, depending on what happens with this Titans game. But then we're going to go right into four team buys and six team buys. This is the, this is you know this is not cutting time, and there are not a lot of options right now at the running back position. You're going to have to plan ahead, and that might mean cutting the third or fourth receiver on your bench that you really like and are optimistic about. But the replacement value for that player is going to be so much higher than a replacement value if you can find a viable running back option to get you through these injury weeks. If you have Eckler, if you have Nick Chubb or anybody else, McCaffrey, are you still recovering from Saquon's injury or you have a bye week? Uh, you're going to have to prepare in advance because it's going to get really, really rough for you in these next couple of weeks, especially if you've had to deal with any injuries. It's going to be rough for everybody in general, but particularly if you've been dealing with one of these superstar injured running backs. Final thoughts tonight, guys, uh, is I'm excited for Thursday night football, no matter what happens. I'm, I'm bummed that we're not going to be there, uh, but heck, excited to watch um, this matchup between between the Bucks and the Bears because it's, it's just fun when you're 
when you got a little added layer of, of emphasis to watch in these games. And at the end of the day, if there's any loss that I can handle, this is the only one I can handle. That is the only one that's not going to hurt that bad. Every other loss, I'm not going to take very well. This is the only one where I'm going to go, okay, all right, moving on. Like I can, I can, I can handle it a little bit more knowing that uh, the aspirations for the old Chicago Bears are not Super Bowl this year. So I can, I think I could, I, I could take one on the chin this week if, uh, if the old Bucks go and, and take it all the way, which. As I said earlier, the NFC wide open, way more open than I thought it was going to be as we entered the season with all the injuries that have happened and have been sustained. So good luck to everybody watching that Bears and Bucks game. I know it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting Thursday night football. But uh, as we said, do not bet on the Bears, bet on the Bucks. You'll you'll be happy that you did. Uh, and that's coming from the Bears fan on the podcast. OK, uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Arians NFL on Instagram and Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You guys can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on Twitter and be sure to check out our rankings on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.